My name is John Methvin. I'm the author of Therapy Mammals. And I'm Adrian Tadzniga, and I'm the author of Collision Theory. Uh, John, super stoked to talk. First, I, I'm just going to open it up uh, with a question, which is um, there's this writing advice that I got a long time ago, which was keep making it worse for your characters. <laughs> and you seem quite uh, good at that. I mean, basically, your book is a dude. I mean, from the opening instant, like you're putting your character behind one of a series of eight balls. And I just wonder if you could talk about if that's a philosophy that you work from, or if it's just something that sort of came out in this book that allowed you to sort of just hammer this dude and put him into bad situations. Or could you talk yeah. about that a little bit? I mean, he, you know, so he starts out, uh, I, I guess the way that it began was I, I had this idea of he was going to be involved in this McCabe tourism business uh, unwittingly, right. which is, you know, bringing, Bringing foreigners to our biggest our biggest scar in this country, which is which is uh, our mass shooting sites. So he he realizes this, but at the same time, that just wasn't enough because he he had so many other things going on. I, I think maybe at one point I felt like I overdid it and I had him in too many different trees. But <laughs> at the same time, it it kind of it kind of all worked with with how in shambles his life was that he was he, he sort of started to embrace, you know, hitting rock bottom so that he could change everything. Yeah, yeah, that's interesting. Yeah, I mean, was like when you were there any of the the madness that you were like, no, this is one too many branch or were you just like, nah, I'm just going to keep I'm going to keep all these balls in the air. There's the, by the way, that's a, one of my classic uh, analogy patterns where I start with a tree branch and then it's balls in the air. You're going to hear <laughs> more of those kind of consistencies on this. But yeah. Yeah, you know, I think uh, to be honest, I think it, it did get to be too many because you wanna you wanna make the you know you want you want yourself to feel that your character is is in these these dire situations and you want the reader to feel the same way. But at the same time, I, I did. There was a point in in the drafts where I was like, like, this is too much, and I'm I'm sure that I'm I'm forgetting stuff that I, I I decided to just be nice to him and take out of out of the text. But yeah. Um, I know, I know from my first draft, there was a lot of math, like that, the, that my main character, Thomas, um, was going through the world and basically was uh, seeing the world as sort of a math problem. Like if you'd see a license plate, he'd try to come up with some kind of uh, equation that, that would have a result. And then, you know, yeah, if you went to somebody's... Yeah, and like if you go to an address, that's like six two one. What is six like six plus two plus one or six plus two minus one? And he was constantly trying to like resolve these these math equations, and that slowly got phased out over the course of thirteen years of editing. But um, but it was interesting to me because when I I went back to the very first draft and I read the first couple pages, and there was a there was like a lightness and a fun that I I was worried that I took out, um, and then. Uh, I did a reading and people laughed and I was like, Oh, okay. I guess I didn't take it all out. So yeah, I was, so was let me relieved. ask you that. Did you, yeah. did you do a reading before you published this? I mean, did, did you share this draft with people before it was actually ready to be published? No, not in any real sense. Like my girlfriend read it, uh, editor. Um, I guess somebody I was dating like seven years before <laughs> that had sort of, like read half of it um but no i didn't ever I, I i know that the first chapter um i'd sort of written the first chapter in a little bit more um a messy version of that and i i'd done a reading at a salon like 15 years before 
And, you know, it's that's and people were like, oh, wow, I wonder what happens next. And I, that just sort of stuck with me for a little while. And then I was like, you know, what, I'm going to pick that up because I actually I'm curious what happens next. So but besides that, no, I didn't ever do readings of it or anything like that. So um, that's interesting. Did you or were you was this sort of something you um, I've, I've done readings? I've done readings before, but I never I never shared this this novel with anybody. Um you know, it's it's kind of a hard thing to do because, I mean, I guess it would. I, I do. Do readers do? Do authors do that? Do they take their books and, and workshop them in public? I don't know. I mean, I think we could start a trend right here uh, that no <laughs> one will ever follow. But yeah, I, I wonder. I guess if you feel like there's part of it that that stands, but you know, like doing readings. I I don't live in New York anymore, so I sort of don't bounce around those same communities I did when I was first writing. Um, but yeah, I guess even then I didn't, I, I would always just, oh, I've got this other short thing or I've got, you know, this piece that I feel comfortable with, but I never, I never did that. And uh, yeah, I guess I would never think of it as workshopping in that way, but in fact, I, it definitely would be because <laughs> yeah. you would just be like, you know, oh God, do people like this? But I think for me historically, and I, I don't know if you could speak to this too, but, um, for me, I ha I'm deathly afraid to share something until, I make it as good as I can because otherwise if ever I'm, if ever I've got a story or I guess a book now, like if, if I get it to a point where I know it's wrong with it and then I'm getting feedback and somebody says, Oh, well this thing that you know is wrong with it. You have to fix that. Then I sort of, it's sort of like, I'm like, no, 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 I know that. So I'm not listening well enough to their, their actual thoughts. Cause I'm sort of focusing on, Oh yeah, I know I got to change that. I got to change that. So I just, it takes me forever to share things nowadays. Cause I'm just like, until I can't make it better, I'll just keep hustling and hustling and hustling with it. But what about you? Do you do you let anybody read? Like your wife? Um, if you're married? No, I don't let any. Yeah. I am married. Yeah, I don't. Yeah. She's she's also a librarian, so oh, wow. she would be a great reader. But I, yeah. I don't let anybody read. And and I, I I feel what you're saying because we also are influenced so much by, you know, the biggest culprit is our phones. We are right. connected to these phones all day long. And we have, you know, we have our fingers on great writing, great essays, uh, news, any book we really want. And so even even another writer who you're just picking up to read is going to influence your style. You're going to right. find something in what they're doing and try to incorporate that style into 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 your manuscript, into your project. Yeah. And I imagine over 14 years, that's happened to you about a million times. But yeah, what, yeah. what was it about? What was it about um, Collision Theory that made that made you just want to stick with it through that whole time? I think, you know, it's it's interesting to me because until I finished it, I, I remember that I had written it the first draft in like nine months. Once I was like, I'm going to do this, I wrote a draft in nine months and it just seemed fun and playful. And, and I'm certain, and this is embarrassing to admit, but like that I was a genius and this was an expression of my genius, which is, that's why it took 13 years to edit. But, um, but like when I finally finished it, I had this moment where I was like, Oh, because it took so long and it was such a, you know, took, took, a generational like a generation of my life I, I don't know what that means but I guess what I'm trying to say is it felt like it was so far away from where I started that I I had I decided written a first novel that was not an autobiography uh, autobiography in any way uh -huh. and then like 20 seconds later I was like oh shit this book is about like the fifth 
level of me that like nobody gets access to in a way that in fact I had exposed this part of me that was so intimate and protected or, you know, like, yeah, all that stuff. And I was like, oh, crap, <laughs> that's yeah. what writing is. Like, we're actually going down into those depths and exposing those. And, you know, it's it, ultimately it, none of it is true to my life, but just the feeling of it and like the progression of it was um, quite intimate and just the, the worldview in a way. Um, this idea of like romance or just like uh, like just whatever gunk and shit we've got built up into us over time that makes us believe love is this way um, and how we pursue and how dumb we are. Uh, about almost everything until we get enough experience and then we go oh yeah i'm just gonna be nice to people that'll that's probably the best call um <laughs> but yeah what about you did you how did that go for you in terms of whatever i just said i've <laughs> i've thrown my I, i've thrown myself a wrench well uh, no i mean i i um you know i i i think the hardest part for me is to is to get a project started to get it to settle on the subject matter. And so I have this, like, this is, this is an old document and it's now 75 pages of single space Microsoft Word. It's just ideas about yeah. things I want to write. And so whenever I'm looking for a new project or whenever I know what the next project is, I go into that and I kind of oh, nice. build, I build the world through that. Right. Um, it's just sort of my, my source material. And then that takes a long time to go through and then you get you get it on you get a, a, an outline on page and I usually write for you know about a third of it and then I realize all right this is this is total crap this is none <laughs> of this is going to work right. we need to go back and, and redo the outline and start from there so I think in that regard it becomes sort of uh, an obsession to me to, right. to work through yeah, it yeah. and to solve and to solve the problem really whatever right. your problem is and and however you need to get to that final conclusion, um, that part I feel is, is easy once I have the outline in place. Right. Yeah. 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 I, I wondered, cause I, like for me, I feel like some ideas come from these kernels of thought that we just sort of, you know, we have this moment or this thought and it, it's just like, we spin around and around, like it's like cotton candy and it's sort of a cruise. And then it sort of takes on rules and an idea. And that's when you can sit down and you're like, okay, now I've got enough to actually type some sentences or whatever like I, this idea isn't leaving me and I wonder yeah. if like was there a single thing with therapy mammals where you were just like I that was there like this core dot that you were that you look back at and you can be like oh that was or is it just like you're saying like these lists of things where you're just like all these things are so messed up <laughs> uh, you, I gotta no it was I, I think what it was is is it really came down to uh, the tourism business of, of bringing people to tour mass shooting sites because yeah yeah the, internationally and, and historically, there is there is a an interest in places where you know a lot of people have perished, and and I'm not making light of it, but I, I found that when I when I first mentioned this to people, their immediate reaction was like, "That's awful. That's dark. That's horrible. You shouldn't be writing about that." But my react my my feeling was like, "Yes, it is absolutely awful." Yeah. And and there was there was sort of a there was some emotion with people and, and I didn't want to make light of it. And it was really difficult to, to sort of develop characters around this world because, yeah, yeah. you know, as, as, you know, as people, as, as people that own 401ks and stocks, we are investing in, in, uh, you know, we're investing in, in defense contractors. Right. 
we're defending in, in, in insurance and in stuff like that. So, you know, there, there do come times where we don't know what we're making money from. Right. And yeah. Yeah. It's just kind of feeding off that really. I just think it's an incredible idea. Like to me, if you would have said that to me, like over a drink or something, I would have just sort of stared off into space and like the universe would have exploded in my mind. So <laughs> when I found out that was the idea and the core idea of this book, I was just like, Oh my God, that's brilliant. Cause I, I was talking to, um, Bradley Whitford, uh, who was in get out and I talked to him. I was lucky enough to go to the WGA awards this year. And we talked a bit about get out. And I was like, he's like the coolest thing about horror movies that Jordan Peele figured out was that it's a way to talk about something that you can't talk about in society right. otherwise. And he's like, what happens in get out? Like you can't just, you can't just have a movie about that in a normal way. And for your book, it's like, you did it. You did that same horrible thing, but you did it through humor and satire. And it's just like, it's like weirdly gleeful and disturbing. Um, <laughs> so like, how did you, did you ever feel like you were going too close to the sun or that you were going to really, I don't know, have people been like, F this guy, I can't believe he's doing this. Or have you managed to like at least shine a light on this and just say, no, this is like one of the most effed up things that our society allows. Yeah. And I mean, to, to answer your question, I don't know because the book hasn't been released, oh. but oh, I was at a book festival. Oh, cool. <laughs> I was, I was at a book festival and, um, the night before there was, a, there was a shooting in Texas and I, you know, and we, I made the decision that it's not, a, it's not what the book is about. The right. book is really, to me, it's about, you know, trying to live a, a moral life with, all of the temptations and all of all of the duties of being like a provider and right. a, a a breadwinner and a worker and a homeowner and, and also trying to live a an ethical life and it's 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 a really tricky time because um, you know it's it's just tricky in general so it's yeah equally tricky for a fictional character who you can do whatever you want to right right yeah I've I've dealt with that a lot like my iPhone, I want to be my last iPhone, but I'm also like, what phone could I have that fits, you know, ethically into the world? And basically I will never know where I am again because I really am such a directional moron. Um, so I'm like, God, what is, what does that look like? Like what, when this phone finally just craps out, cause I'm like, you know what, I'm just going to use it for five years or whatever it takes. Um, yeah. And those questions are so fascinating because you want to be a good person. And then, yeah, it's like, oh my God, where did my socks get made? Holy shit. This is, this <laughs> is ugly. That's very well put. Yeah. It's pretty messed up. Um, back to, back to your oh, yeah. collision theory though. Um, my, one of the most, most intriguing things is, is how you, you manage this character who is, you know, you, you have a dead body right on the page. Right. Yeah, so yeah. what is your, you know, what, what, what made you? What, what? How has that spurred this whole story? And and what were what was what reception have you gotten from readers? Yeah, like the big thing for me that I've enjoyed most is a lot of people. It's fifty two chapters long, I believe, and a lot of people have said, you know, I can't. I had to stop reading around chapter twenty six because it was just so heavy, and it was just so much and like so emotional. And I was like, cool, <laughs> like that's pretty <laughs> incredible. Um, but it it was interesting to deal with a suicide 
Um, and there's, you know, I'm a little like, eh, did I treat this properly? Did I, you know, I, I was a little afraid of that, but I haven't gotten anybody, um, who's mad at me about that yet. And I, even the way I opened the book, it's, you know, a man sees a woman who's about to jump and kill herself and he invites her to dinner. So there's like this, this weird romantic idealism coming out at a really, I mean, effectively an inappropriate time, but he's just, he is just trying to to get her not to go. And this is like the first thing that comes to his mind. And, um, I think for me, well, there's a short story by Mark Strand called space that was published okay. in the nineties, I believe. Uh -huh. And he had a very similar story. Like I, I basically stole his story, which I told him, um, two years <laughs> before he died. And I said, Hey, I wrote a book and it was all spurred by your story. And he just said, you know, as long as it's better than mine, it's fine. <laughs> and I was like, all right, yeah, you want a Pulitzer. I, I, we'll see how I do. <laughs> Um, but yeah, it was, uh, it was interesting. And just this central idea of, I, I love, um, historically in my writing, um, my, one of my favorite philosophies is, uh, like have crazy thing, the normalized crazy thing. So that was like, you know, that, that this girl, that there's some kind of strange thing happening that he starts seeing this girl. And is it the girl that jumped or is it his ex-girlfriend or is it, you know, like what's the relationship and trying to like use mystery effectively to, uh, to keep changing the camera, you know, it's almost yeah. like a horror movie again, which I'm scared to death of horror movies. So, uh, <laughs> I, I don't know why I keep citing them, but it's almost like when the camera is super close and you're just like, no, 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 what's the, pull the camera out. I want to know what's behind them. They should turn around. Um, so it was like that, but through drama that I was trying to position the camera in a way that you'd go like, wait, 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 wait what the, I, I need to know this, which. Yeah, that's cool. I, yeah. And I, it's sort of, I think I learned that tactic from Stephen King actually, because he would always end chapters on these sort of not cliffhangers, but these moments where you're like, Oh crap, what happened? Like, I got to know this. Like he opens the letter, he finds a letter or whatever. And you're like, Whoa, a letter, you know, and he sort of leaves these breadcrumbs to, to drag you through the story. And that's what I was trying to do. Nar narrative speed is like an obsession of mine. Cause I'm so afraid to bore people, um, which I'm, I'm working on now in this new book and I'm trying to be like, no, 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 get the information out. So, yeah. What's your, uh, may I ask what your new book is about? Yeah, it's about, um, it's called superhero. And the premise is in a world without, um, in a world without heroes, any act of heroism is an act of superheroism. It, I'm not saying it's a direct response to the government at the moment, but it's basically about three people who do the right thing in different ways. And, um, sort of become recognized as superheroes and they have to take on identities mm. and it's pretty wild. I, I got that idea from going to enough Marvel movies and then one of them I left and I was like, Oh, I get it. We get to act crappy to one another because we think that this is real and that we feel good that the good guys did the right thing. But when we leave, we get to be like, yeah, I don't feel like voting. Yeah, I don't care. Like, yeah. bad things happen. So I was like, I got to respond to that. That's just oh, that's too awesome. much. Yeah. That's really cool. I, I had – go ahead. Sorry. Oh, I was just – oh, go ahead, and then I, I got another question for you because I'm really yeah. curious about it. I have an idea for a superhero book that's, that's – it's weird, but it's not – it's similar to that as, like, an everyday hero, but it's a guy who – he gets superpowers when he doesn't take his medication. His, his like – you know, his anxiety medication or, or his right. – whatever – 
whatever he's been prescribed to just like keep him from like losing his mind in an office. <laughs> and he, That's awesome. He finds yeah. out like when he stops taking it, he can actually like he's like invincible basically. He can run yeah. into to danger and I don't know. I have yeah. no idea what what I'm ever going to yeah, do no, with that, but, but it just sort of reminds me of the everyday hero concept. Yeah, yeah. I, it is interesting to me because it is such a weird time in which we're just seeing people in the American government know stuff is just not right. And they just, they're like, well, you know, it's his personality. And it's like, well, <laughs> okay, that, yeah. And now it's just weird, slippery slope. Yeah. Uh-huh. Um, I wanted to ask you about fun, just like fun. And there's this thing in your book, um, which, uh, to, to give you an idea, like what you had said about your list is interesting to me because I remember the moment I decided to write my book, um, I was seeing Chuck Palahniuk give a talk with William Gibson and these two other people. And I, it was sort of like in that moment, I knew to take my five short story ideas, my three novel ideas, or two novel ideas, and sort of like shove them all into one thing. Like it was like a deck of cards in my mind that I was just like, like riffle and put them together. Yeah, for this novel. Okay, and, okay. And, and, and you had mentioned that, and I was like, some of the fun stuff, like I have uh, a movie pitch about Elvis's Graceland being kidnapped by aliens. And for you, you have the stand cake, which is a vertical, vertical pancake business. And uh, I just wondered, like, where did that idea come from? Was that just like, you just had a goofy thought? You're like, I'm going to jot that down, and then you bring it into the book? Or like, what, how does that happen? You know, I kind of, I, years ago, I... I did this thing for, for the OWL, AWL. It's a website that no longer yeah. exists, but it was really cool. And and they, they let me like basically do all this research about how to build an island in, you know, basically build, build suburbs in, in New York City, which is what everyone else in the world is doing. So why can't we just build an island in, in the lower Hudson? And we totally can do it. And it was a fun article to write. And I, that sort of became the home of this place. So instead of her, instead of the wife having, she had to have a business. She had to have something that, that, that you know, his good qualities are that he's he's paid for this business. He's he's worked really hard to, you know, to be a good husband and to make sure that like he put her through college, he paid for the business, he's done all this great stuff. So he's he's trying to be a good husband. But to answer your question, I needed to give her a business, and it, it right. sort of seems cliche to give her a cupcake business because now cupcakes are everywhere. It's gone. So I was trying to think of a dessert that nothing is ever going to happen with a, d- a dessert or a, <laughs> like pancakes are like pancakes are what they were back in the 1800s. Like nothing right. has happened with the pancake. And yeah. I get up and, and I ask my kids, you know, what do you want for breakfast? Pancakes. So I was thinking, why not make the pancakes? It's, you know, a lot of the book is about anxiety and stress. How do we stress out a pancake? Because a pancake is comfort food. It's just this most right. relaxing thing on a Sunday morning, sitting on the plate with bacon and syrup. So how do we make that stressful and anxiety? We, we stand it up. We make it stand up and we decorate <laughs> it like, you know, whatever it is, like you're having a, a party for somebody and they're, they're graduating college. You, you can decorate. You can have your stand cake decorated as little college graduates. That's so brilliant. I love it. And I, it just seems like the type of food that people would be like, I have to have that. Like, I can't just have a regular cupcake. I have to have a $5 cupcake now. So why not a $5 pancake? 
Right. Yeah. Yeah. That's hilarious. Cause to me, I think in some way I knew that I would never write this Elvis script or it would never get made unless I wrote it into a book. And then maybe, I guess my dream is that somebody is going to read this book and be like, well, it's a, you know, it would be an indie film if we adapted it, but this Elvis property, like, <laughs> I just love that idea. And now I feel like somebody's going to reach out to you and be like, you've got the the copyright we've got to get these stand cakes out there like, i, I you know? hear you man it's always like it's that little idea that you stick in there that you just love you just can't kill and my first book yeah. was there was a guy who was a, he was a celebrity semen smuggler so he he obtained like the semen of of celebrities and he right. he he smuggled he sold it around the world and oh i always gosh. have believed that there is a a tv series in there ray donovan you know right you know I mean? <laughs> <laughs> That's hilarious. Um, last question I'll ask, and then we can go about our lives, I guess. But um, I had this really funny experience in LA where one of my friends uh, was like, with your blurbs, like, which one is the true one? Or which one, like, stands for your book? And then uh, I thought about that before we chatted, and I looked at, at the blurbs that you had. And you had uh, Billy Giraldi was one of your blurbs. He's one of my favorite writers. I just love that guy. Um, yeah, me too. And, uh, like, he, his blurb is amazing but i wondered is that the one that you're like if someone were to be like well give me give me the blah, 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 you're just like read this and that will tell you everything you need to know or is another one i mean i i i would agree i would say billy only because you know billy's an incredible writer and he's somebody that i i love to read whenever his books come out hold dark with the last one um yeah, yeah everything when he when he comes out with something that it's i'm i'm one of those guys that's like right through it quickly but he's also, you know, somebody I've known for for a couple of years, and and I told him this was coming out, and and you know he blurbed it. I, I would say that he's most familiar with my writing of yeah. of all of the writers there. Um, but since it was funny you mentioned that because I wanted to ask you about it. You have you have one of my favorite writers blurbing your book, which was Tom Parada. But the same oh, question yeah. to you: which of which of your your which of the folks that have read your book are, are explaining it the best way? Yeah, it's definitely Tom because I mean he he said something that I was just like, oh man, like that's amazing, and that was that he said it was part grief chronicle, part slacker love story. Something. Well, let me something. read it so everybody can hear oh, yeah. this. But this is from yeah. Tom Parada, author of The Leftovers and Mrs. Fletcher about Collision Theory. Collision Theory is is a hard book to categorize: part ghost story, part slacker comedy, part grief chronicle. But an easy one to enjoy. Adrian Tadzaniga's first novel. It's creepy, funny, and full of dark surprises. That's cool. Yeah, it's it was amazing because I was like, yeah. <laughs> and when <laughs> when I talked to my friend in LA, I was like, they're like dark surprises. That's awesome. I was like, yeah, he he nailed it. I'll, I'll yeah, read the that's... one that Billy wrote for you, so everybody listening can be like, now I get the. But what a miraculous sight! John Methvin is a serious novelist with an irreverent, satirical sense of humor, which is the only sense of humor worth having. In Therapy Mammals, his comedic register asserts itself in tandem with a sly earnestness a, a, earnestness, a skewed sincerity that operates at the edge of irony. In these pages, as in life, the only people who have any, any idea what's going on are those who can identify and accept the absurd. Here is a novel that will force you to see our warped, our warped kind anew. Yeah, and he's written Hold the Dark and Hero's Body. He's incredible. And Busy Monsters, yeah. which I love. But yeah, uh, right. yeah it's cool. Uh, so we've done it. We've published extraordinary books loved by extraordinary <laughs> writers. We've, yeah, we're a hit. We're a hit. Yeah. So yeah. finally found success, right? I know it's about time. 
you know. But uh, yeah, it was great chatting with you. Good luck. When when is the book officially released? It comes out Tuesday. Oh man, that's that's awesome. I'm stoked for you. Uh, but yeah, uh, I'll say my name because I think that's how we're supposed to end this thing, and then I'll let you do it. But I'm Adrian Tadzniga, author of uh, what's my book called? Oh, Collision Theory. And I'm John Methvin, author of Therapy Mammals. All right, thanks, John. Talk to you soon. Hey, thanks so much.